Hello, you're listening to the Coffee and Books podcast. My name is Scott. I'm your host. Hope all of you are doing well. I have another special episode today. We are continuing our discussion about Germany, a nation in its time, a wonderful book that was written here in Nashville, Tennessee by Helmut Walsler Smith, a uh, professor at the University of Vanderbilt. Uh, We're going to discuss parts two and three today. Uh, Soon will be the last part of the series, which is uh, parts four and five. If you haven't already listened to part one, I highly recommend it. Um, It covers the history of Germany from 1500 to the 1700s, and it's going to talk about the identity and, of course, specifically how Germany thought of itself as individual states and not as a nation, um, where it talks about how the medieval time period um, and the views of medieval times uh, influenced religion and how Germany itself saw its people and why different kingdoms sort of developed out of war and necessity um, and politics, and we're going to get into all that today. Um, but that was basically what I just discussed. That is the opening sort of sequence in talking about everything. Now, in parts uh, two here and three, we're going to talk about uh, the different ages that they sort of experience. So from 1700 to 1815, this is called the Copernican uh, turn. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but hopefully I am. And so it was during this time period that we have uh, the start of patriotism, which I want to point out is very different than nationalism. So patriotism is the loyalty to a group of people, uh, in particular a government. Um, You know, you could consider yourself patriotic without serving in the military, but oftentimes people who are patriotic do end up serving in there. Uh, But the patriotism was not necessarily divided for an entire region or country, it was dependent upon who your king was, what your religious beliefs were, where you sort of lived in this area. So still we are continuing the idea of city-states and nations, which exist, such as Saxony, Bavaria, uh, you know, like towns like Berlin, uh, places like Austria, uh, or in the capital Vienna, have their own loyalties. And therefore people who belonged in those cities had their own loyalties to those people and those regions. So, for instance, if you lived in Bavaria, you would have an entire king and royal family for just Bavaria. So it was hard to be unified in a group of people, even though everybody, you know, spoke multiple languages and a lot of people spoke German. uh, Someone who lived in Bavaria would be loyal to Bavaria and not Austria or Austria-Hungary, as it eventually become. So why is this? Well, there's a lot of different reasons, but essentially at this time period, Germany had developed out of a sort of cluster uh, from the Holy Roman Empire, which is still in existence, but it is more thought of as a loose confederation of states than it is an entire empire. And of course, the 1700s were towards the end of the Holy Roman Empire, and it was ended, of course, by none other than Napoleon. Okay, so we're kind of skipping ahead here, but we're going to talk about some of the ideas that changed the nation. Uh, So number one, in the 1700s, the first and foremost thing that changed everything was the Industrial Revolution. Yes, things like philosophy and novels and literature and art were all very important, but the Industrial Revolution changed how people earned their lives and living. Uh, Germany went from being a very, very large agricultural country to a place where more and more people lived and moved in cities and urban populations exploded, which had a definite impact on the way Germany viewed itself. So number one is the Industrial Revolution. Number two was more rights were eventually awarded to citizens. Um, Things that we sort of take for granted today, such as free speech, 
and emancipation of German citizens, regardless of religious background, had a very supreme effect. Um, now, the idea that eventually different countries and different people would have more uh, of a constitution than a monarchy was very important. Uh, so if you go back far enough in history, you see how the king sort of had an absolute monarchy, absolute control of power. But as revolutions started happening, a.k.a. the U.S. Revolution, the French Revolution, many countries wanted to prevent uh, riots from happening. You know, many, Mainly, they didn't want their own monarchies to be overthrown. So they realized that the best thing to do was sort of a compromise. And in this way, what they would do is they would say, okay, we're going to grant you freedom of the press. And we're going to say, regardless of what religious background, you can vote in our elections and help decide the fate of the country. However, the majority of the power still resided with the you know, king, you know, so it didn't really matter a whole lot whether or not people voted or not at this time period. But it's very important to note that uh, the different religious backgrounds brought into a different amounts of play, different inter internal struggles amongst the different states. Um, we've discussed previously how anti-Semitism shaped Germany, but in particular the uh, conflicts between the Catholics and the Protestant divisions of the country is what eventually, and you know, the kingdom states, is what eventually would lead to how different people viewed themselves. So the idea was, is in the 17 and 1800s, is that laws were granted so that if you were, let's say, um, Calvinist, or if you were Catholic, or let's say you were Protestant, you were still able to freely vote and eventually move your way forward. Uh, but then this brought up a very major issue, which is very prevalent in anti-Semitism and would come into the play in the near future, which is, what was a German citizen? Um, the idea was is that at this time period, the countries were very lax in their passport laws and regulations. Uh, many groups of people thought of themselves loyal to their uh, kingdom state first, then sort of the confederation that was the Holy Roman Empire. But people such as Jews were always seen as different, aka Oriental, uh, being different in the sense of they were Jewish first and then German second. And that is how Germany still saw its Jewish people in population, even though many people would eventually have the freedom of the ability to vote and do different things. They were still seen as second-class citizens. Okay, moving forward, we're going to go into part three here, which is uh, wars with each other and with France. So again, as I mentioned before, um, Europe and a relatively peaceful sort of time period for Germany was very, very, very much in war with each other and itself. So a good example of this was during the 1700s, especially specifically the early 1700s up until the French Revolution, Germany was relatively peaceful. Although there were you know, wars and conflicts, it was relatively small scale compared to what the uh, English were going through, what the French were going through, what other countries in Russia, uh, you know, even though there might be conflicts and the way we view things is differently, it was a relatively peaceful sort of time period for Europe. Until, of course, as I mentioned, the French Revolution happened. When Napoleon got into power, Germany was a buffer between him and Russia and him and other countries. You know, like uh, Napoleon often went into battle against Germany, but the problem is with Germany, as I said, there's different sort of confederations and nation states. So when Napoleon attacked Germany, the empire, the Holy Roman Empire to be specific, was dissolved, and some of the city-states joined Napoleon's side and some joined the side of Prussia, which was the other sort of superpower of the area. And so repeatedly, to be exact, five wars of coalition took place against uh, the French, and it would often be the Prussians fighting against uh, 
specifically Napoleon and the French. Now, Napoleon won a lot of those battles, but the idea that is very important to talk about is that the French really shaped the history and destiny of Germany. Many of these nation states had to unify together, regardless of their religion or background, in order to defend themselves. Um, conscription was very high. Uh, so the idea of military patriotism was very important. Uh, many people in Prussia, like I said, had a way that they viewed things that were very different than the way other uh, German nation states viewed things. So the idea, again, was uh, conscription was high. Many people went to war against France, uh, but even amongst themselves, there were some people who switched sides in the battle, and specifically, uh, Germany was very divided on how to deal with Napoleon. Um, but, of course, Napoleon would eventually attack Russia and uh, would have designs to attack the United Kingdom uh, you know, or Britain at this time period. So Napoleon was very busy and wouldn't always focus on the question of how to view um, Germany. But it's very important to state the way Germany sort of unified itself, or the first important factor in how Germany unified itself, was it needed to defend itself against the French. All right. So then we have, uh, as I explained earlier about conscription, but we also had educational reforms. Education was something that was also very important to the time period. Um, the way we view literature now is a lot different than the way education and reform worked back then. Um, you know, back in the day, specifically in the medieval and before that time period, it was very important to work in order to uh, pay your bills. But more importantly, in order to basically live, specifically if you were a peasant or poor, you often had to go work on a farm or you had to do factory jobs in the Industrial Revolution in order to eat. Uh, but what's important to note is that uh, Prussia was one of the first countries to institute educational reform for everybody meaning that if you were poor, you still had to go to school and have and receive a basic education. What they didn't sort of count on was that these uh, liberal uh, sort of professor, professors and teachers and educators would change how the population viewed itself. Um, so the idea was is that if education was taught to children, then they would be more loyal to the government and therefore more loyal to the different kingdoms that exist at this time. Uh, but the idea, again, was that if Prussia exerted its control over its people, who were multi-ethnic and multi-religious, they could, again, create a sort of unified group of people, and eventually that would have a very tremendous impact on the unification of Germany later. Uh, but these ideas spread, and as something that you could say argue came from other parts of Europe, other parts of the world, but essentially, if you had an education... You were more likely to be intelligent and more likely to know how to earn a living. Um, you know, it raised the middle class wages. It helped people get better jobs. It's very important. Um, and the fact that many people started to become better educated. Um, and then, of course, a very important factor in this time period was hunger. As I mentioned, there's been previous riots before in previous episodes over the fact that there was not enough food in uh, in particular Germany, as the population sort of swelled, there was not enough uh, food and riots broke out and many people were targeted because they were seen as uh, taking up resources that needed to go to other people. The military was often responsible, especially during wars, for often stealing food for themselves and living off of the land. Uh, Napoleon, going back to him, had a scorched earth policy, so often when he would go into countries such as in what would be Germany, he would often use the resources to live off of the land, and often many people starved. But one great thing that sort of happened during this time period was 
the introduction of the potato. Um, so things like uh, turnips and greens and vegetables eventually would grow. And again, the agriculture system was changing dramatically as more industrial revolution projects took place. But again, the idea was is that if you introduced a potato, the potato which was higher in um, calories and value, it made people uh, the difference between starving to death and having energy to go to work, which again, revived the economy. So the idea that this um, introduction of an Irish potato to Germany had a tremendous impact on the fact that people needed to be able to eat and it helped probably save a lot of lives. Okay, next we have how art and literature changed how Germans viewed themselves. So art, literature, specifically language, was very important. Um, as I said, there was not necessarily one group of people in all the different German nation-states that unified it together. There was not one thing that unified everybody. Not religion, not art, not literature. However, eventually, language was very important. And the way Germans viewed themselves started to differ, basically because of how they talked to one another. And more importantly, at the time period of the Industrial Revolution, you have authors, many great authors, who are writing period pieces about their home countries. Um, for example, you have Charles Dickens, who wrote Oliver Twist about the Industrial Age in London. Uh, but Germany doesn't have that. Germany didn't have an author that specifically talked about its industrial class, its poorer class people. Um, so that's a very interesting way in how Germany viewed itself, and in particular how these different small groups of countries viewed their individual achievements and liberties. Um, but of course, over time, what you start to see is that the, the literature and the exchange of novels, in particular popular authors, would eventually consolidate and help people understand new ideas. Uh, so, for instance, you have someone like Karl Marx, who is not uh, German, but is rather from Russia, writing books about socialism. Those are not going to be popular necessarily in Germany. Uh, what was popular was different people who wrote and spoke the language of the people. Uh, there was a traditional sense of going back to the Bardic times, essentially medieval time periods where people would sing about the land, the beauty, uh, places like the Rhine and other places, even what was modern-day Switzerland and modern-day, uh, like, uh, for instance, Amsterdam and the Netherlands, were seen as German, even though those places were not German. Um, you know, places in France, for instance, spoke more German than they spoke French, but the ideologies, the unification came from the way art and literature spread across the region. And that is the first part. Now we're going to go from 1815 to 1914, which is the start, of course, of World War I. Uh, developing nation uh, took on more of a modern marvels. And we call this age, 1815 to 1914, the age or the rise of nationalism. So before we've talked about how patriotism was important. In particular, how patriotism means, means you were loyal, but you might be specifically loyal to uh, a specific region or group of people. Uh, but things started to change dramatically in the 1800s. As I've said, you have things like the Industrial Revolution happening, but there's other social and political economic reforms happening as well. One of these are clubs and charities. Uh, so there were many different clubs and charities, but a lot of these were pro-nationalism, meaning that these uh, groups of people, nationalism, meaning people sought out a unification of Germany as its own country. Um, people you know, in this age and liberty fought for different things. But primarily the idea is, is that there were different charities with different political ideologies and people 
uh, being both men and women, supported them. Um, and the idea was that women would be able to support charities, but shouldn't necessarily support political uh, movements. But eventually this changed over that time period as women were allowed more and more rights to vote and to be a part of these political organizations. Um, another important industrial revolution, number two, is railroads that connected the place together. I know this seems sort of like, well, obviously, wouldn't that be important though? Um, yes, railroads um, primarily gave access from one group of people to be able to go to another group of people very quickly. Whereas a horse or carriage ride might take you, you know, a long time before the access and development of roads and specifically railroads and eventually automobiles would allow people to traverse uh, the different countries quickly. Um, as I mentioned, there was a lot of lax regulations in this sort of region regarding passports. So people could easily go from one region to another. And therefore, um, when you were and you did have access to going to these other places, you could see them. And tourism, as a result, would explode because all of a sudden people can go to different parts of the country. Uh, places like restaurants and uh, souvenir shops opened up everywhere. Um, okay, so number four, that three was the passport law so people could travel. Number four was literature and art during the age of the Industrial Revolution. As I mentioned before, uh, and as in other previous chapters, the way people viewed themselves was very important. And in particular, we're going to talk now not just about literature and art, but in particular how the German countries counted themselves. The 1800s was the first time period in German history where people started to count the actual population. Whereas before, it was important to maybe see the king as he went across your region. Now it was starting to be important that citizens were being counted in censuses. Um, they wanted to know what languages they spoke. People across the empire needed to be uh, held accountable for taxes, but also conscription and other factors. And so it was very important for Germany in particular uh, to have a consensus of who lived in its empire. And one of those things is uh, how literature and art uh, controlled this. Uh, again, map making was very important to, to census and is a form of art. Uh, map making showed divisions amongst regions. Um, and then, of course, literature, the more people were more well-educated, the more likely they could read and had a very profound effect on ideas and attitudes that changed. Number five, as I mentioned before previously, tourism became more of an industry, but in particular now, not just amongst Germans, but also amongst other people, particular people from countries such as the United States, Great Britain, France, started to see there was value in going to Germany. And as I mentioned, railroads were a big part of that fact, but also it is, you know, Germany had untold natural wonders in terms of nature as well as uh, medieval and historical history. So people often would want to see these older castles, and there were a whole bunch of industries set up just to get people just to come over to Germany just to see those things alone. So again, during this time period, very important, people from other countries started coming there. Um, and it was not just a sort of local hidden charity or charity, local hidden gym. All right, number six, universities become global. As I mentioned, Germany in this time period between the 1800s to early 1900s became more global. Um, one of the aspects of being more global was that the university encouraged people from other countries, such as the University of Berlin, 
to have people from, let's say, the United States, but also Europe and Asia to come and study at the university. There are many Japanese people, many different people from the United States, very famously uh, uh, W.B.D. Du Bois, uh, very important there as an African-American was studying, um, and in particular, German history. Um, also, what's very important to note is that the ideologies of the university shaped how other people again, thought. Uh, and again, as I mentioned before, maybe in previous episodes about liberalism and how the attitudes of people uh, and education changed the entire country, what's very important to note also here is that the education, in particular universities before this, did not allow uh, citizens from other countries to study in Germany. But that changed during the 1800s, and now all of a sudden people from Germany uh, or such as or people from Japan could come to Germany and study at those universities. And that was also a very highly educating uh, factor. And that's where many different ideas were exchanged. Okay, next we have, well, let's see. Disagreements on how to govern based on religious beliefs and different royal families. All right, as I mentioned earlier, there's different religious groups inside of Germany. Um, in particular, as the German unification of the empire would eventually take place in the mid-1800s, um, the way people viewed different things was based on what religion you were and where you were born. Um, but in particular, this factor, the, again, religion, was very important in how Germans would view themselves. People who viewed the Lutherans would be different than the people who viewed themselves as Catholics. So again, religion and different religious organizations uh, played how people were loyal to Germany. Um, uh, but eventually, this would uh, lead to the rise of nationalism, as if you were religious, you wanted to defend your religious liberties as well as your rights um, as a citizen loyal to your country. But again, with the unification of Germany and the formation of the German Empire, a lot of this started to change. Um, so, number eight, the formation of the German Empire. Where things start to get a little shaky is when Germany decides it's going to be its own empire, its own region. What happens in this time period is that uh, there's a vast amounts of colonialism still going on. Already, Germany is far, far behind the age of colonialism. Uh, countries such as England and France have very, very large colonial holdings. Even though Great Britain lost the United States, it still had a very vast empire that it was in control of. And the idea was that after the formation of the German Empire, Germany should expand its outward reach to other areas and start colonialism. Therefore, it could you know, have access to more goods and services. Um, it thought of colonialism as important as it was seeing the benefits that England was in particular gaining access to. Um, so number nine, colonial la land grab. This is related to the formation of the empire, as I said, but once the unification of Germany happened, people began to see that they were behind in the age of Europe and in terms of the colonialism. So again, the idea of let's be proud of our heritage, in a sense, uh, Germany started to become more and more of a nationalistic country in the sense of they wanted to utilize their Europeanness to control other parts of Africa, um, Asia, and even in the United States, if possible. 
Um, and the idea, again, was that Germany, if we stuck together as a nation, that this would be possible. Um, it, was, it was not seen as poor or unfortunate at this time that colonialism often left people to be victims, um, and it was seen as a very powerful tool. Uh, number 10, as I mentioned before in the previous segment, we talked a lot about how language unified the people, but now more than ever, German became very important as it was the primarily most spoken re- re- or spoken language across the region, and that would eventually lead to more and more people learning German. Um, and lastly, we have politics and who can vote. As I've mentioned before, the identity of people and different groups of people and who could be a German citizen and who could not be a German citizen is very important. Um, Anti-Semitism and a new age appeared. Um, in particular, again, as I mentioned before, Jewish people were seen as not being from Germany. And so, again, people such as Jewish citizens had their rights squandered or taken away. Um, you know, although there were not pogroms and things like that that were happening in Russia, uh, Germany faced intense criticism for its treatment of second-class citizens. Um, and they wanted to treat other people as second-class citizens. Um, so it's very important to note that in this sort of time period, you had the unification of Germany. You had uh, its own sense of defense and patriotism that developed out of songs and literature and education. But now, at the start of the end of the 1900s, sorry, the late 1800s, early 1900s, we had the start of a disastrous powder keg, which would lead to uh, the most disastrous world wars. And of course, as we know, there's two of those wars that we're going to get into next time. All right. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Hopefully all that made sense. It is a large amount of topics to get your head around. Um, anyway, I hope all of you enjoyed uh, this. If you have any questions, feel free to email me at scott, S-C-O-T-T, Bernstein, B-E-R-N-S-T-E-I-N, 16, at yahoo.com. Thank you and have a great day.